Hello and a warm welcome again to Feeling Terrific. Today we have another special guest, as always. Um, you, you hear this uh, quote quite often. But today I have um, Antje with me. Antje is um, also a colleague of mine. Um, she's located in Switzerland. She's currently a senior manager for the Solution Consulting um, Business Unit. And I'm more than happy that she has taken the time for our chat today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Perfect, perfect. So maybe let, let's give a quick um, intro um, within my words, and then I would like to hand it over to you. So um, you are currently, um, as already mentioned, a senior manager um, in, in, for a solution consulting team, right? So on the one side, um, you have to find and develop the best talent, but also yeah, providing the best um, value for, for the customers, right? So um, maybe give us a quick intro. Who are you? Yes, with pleasure. So my name is Antje, like you already said. I'm 47, based out of Zurich, Switzerland. I'm not born here in Switzerland. I was born in Mülheim, very close to Düsseldorf. So I relocated to Switzerland 14 years ago. <laughs> to count. Now it's even 15. So now it's nearly 15. And yeah, I'm, um, as you said, I'm managing the solution consulting team here in Switzerland since a little bit, since two years nearly. Yeah. So... What else? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect for a quick intro. Thank you. Um, maybe, but um, yeah, um, two, two questions. So first, why Switzerland? And second, why software industry? How did you end up being there? Why Switzerland? It is in like 80% of the cases for people who relocated to Switzerland. It's either because the, the situation, the, the market situation in Switzerland is maybe still a little bit better than it is in Germany. But in my special case, my partner back in the days, he used to work in banking and he got a job offer from one of the big banks here in Switzerland. He decided to move over here. And after like half a year when he got got ready and ha happy here in Switzerland, I moved over. At that time, I was located in Munich. Munich is, sorry to all my Munich friends and colleagues, it's not my most favorite city on planet Earth. So I was happy to move over to Switzerland. Yeah, thank I'll you. I'm, sorry. sorry? <laughs> no, I just wanted to say uh, thank you. I'm located in Munich and um, yeah, I still love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. I think it's like, I mean, the problem was when I started working in Munich, I um, didn't know anyone in that part of Germany. Mm -hmm. Bavaria is quite special to people from the Nordrhein-Westfalian area because it's so different. I was in Cologne before, so I was used to that warm, nice, friendly atmosphere. And then I went to Munich and I worked very much outside of Munich in, my, in Fürstenfeldbruck. So mm -hmm. I didn't really know anyone there. My colleagues That's not were, Munich. Yeah, it's from Munich. I, I lived in Munich, but I worked in prison for work. So it was tough for me to get to know people. And it was never really my, my I mean, apart from Oktoberfest, everyone loved this. But apart from that one, it was never really my favorite city. <laughs> so how did I end up in, in, in software? Yeah. So um, I have a little bit of like, would say like 50% of my colleagues, teams, teammates. It wasn't a straight line. I didn't study IT. I um, did study civil engineering, but then figured out that civil engineering is not really the right, right thing for me to do. And I did an apprenticeship in a travel agency, totally mm. different from what I'm doing today. So even you learned something about new about me today. And um, But that was at a certain stage, you have to figure out that the dream of traveling and the not so much dream of selling traveling mm. is not actually the same. So I didn't really enjoy it that much as I thought I would enjoy it. So I spend the majority of my work day to teach my colleagues who are not very tech. They are not techie. 
people in these in the travel agency don't like technology, at least most of them. So uh, most of the time, I I help them to learn and understand the software they're dealing with every single day. And then I was thinking, like, maybe this is the part for my future. Maybe this is really what I wanted to do in the future, teach people how to deal with technology, especially maybe older people, but also those people not very, not being very close to that. So, again, studying, not, not again, not my thing again. <laughs> I was looking at colleagues of mine who actually did this or are still doing it. And some of them did a Microsoft Certified System Engineer at that time because it mostly comes with a trainer. So you get a trainer license for teaching software products mainly Microsoft product. But this was what I really liked to do, enjoy to do. So I signed up for a one-year course of Microsoft Certified System Engineer and Trainer, um, full-day course. So I quit, quit my job, <laughs> did some barkeeping in the evenings, and did some learning and studying over the day. And I was pretty good in it. So my trainer in um, scripting, he asked me, like, Antje, I, I feel you're good in this. I feel you enjoy it. Why don't you come over to the IT side? Why don't you join me at a... My first real job in IT, that was Renault-Nissan at that time. Big Renault, everyone knows Renault. Renault and Nissan at that time were, were, were one company in Germany. Uh, we are looking for people who actually run a project implementing CRM, customer relationship management systems, at the dealership. So all the Renault dealers, but also the free dealers, were actually not part of the Renault, Renault company, needed a CRM system. They didn't have any to deal with their customers with their fleet customers, but also individual customers, as well as to deal with the with Renault themselves to like have um, stock supply um, management, stuff like this. Yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> so I moved over to Renault. Um, that was my first real job in IT. I was um, a, a project manager at that time, moved on my way up to the project lead for, for CRM. Then my next job was actually in Bavaria. That was the move from Cologne to Bavaria. Worked in a company called Atva, Atva Optical Networking. There I was not, not really in an IT job, but still responsible from the, for the CRM system, but more on the, on the business analyst side, on the business side. Then I moved to Switzerland. I uh, worked there for Sonova, my most favorite country, company. You know, it was a very nice job, a nice company. They produce hearing aids. They are a market leader in all acoustical solutions. And there I um, worked overall globally rolling out a CRM system, which they just decided for. And after that, after working there for four years and being on stage for one of the other big software vendors with an S in the beginning for Salesforce, they asked me, like, you're already on stage for us so many times. Why don't you want to join us? And why don't you come over to, to our side and sell software to our customers? And that's what I did for seven years. And like two years ago, I moved over to ServiceNow. Yeah, perfect. No, so I think sometimes it's kind of it kind of has something to do with destiny. Um, also, when it comes uh, making a little bit of sacrifices when you took the barkeeper's job. So uh, we are glad, I think I can say it for everyone, we are glad you did it and uh, took you. the or had the coach at the time. So thank you for mm -hmm. that. Um, what would you say shaped you the most so far? I mean, you are long within the software industry now. I think really the move from... from um on-premise system to cloud software. I think that was the one that's helping. That's for me was a whole new discovery. Um, not, I didn't need to like take care of any database on colleagues' laptops. Anytime when we had an update, we have to make sure everyone is on the same. And then when we moved into cloud at that time was Salesforce, from Siebel to Salesforce, 
Um, that was the one thing that I really figured out that is really the game changer for companies as well as employees. That they, they can be anywhere. They don't need to dial into any VPN. They can be on their phone, even during the holidays, even check their pipeline or whatever they want to do during the holidays. But that was, I think, the biggest change over the years. I think nowadays it would be maybe chat GPT. Everyone is talking about it, but I think this is the one that's changing, changing rapidly how we, how we interact with computers. Yeah. So first I would like to say, um, if you have, um, holiday, then take the holiday if possible. <laughs> but second, um, you already answered my, my, my next question when it comes to, to trends, right? So trends is quite, um, yeah, there are quite few, um, in the software industry. And you've also already mentioned, uh, chat GBT. So let's see what, what this will, will have. You mentioned already there will be a huge impact long-term wise. So looking forward, uh, yeah, to see how, how this will go. I'm wondering, would you consider at one point moving out of the industry? If yes or no, why? I felt I just recently moved into it. I used to work in a lot of industries outside of IT. And I really feel, um, especially working for the company, the two of us are working in right now, it's um, the trust that you have as an employee of ServiceNow or any, I think any, nearly any software vendor. Um, compared to working in a corporation is so much different. So I would actually not move anywhere else again. Also the freedom, I mean, the trust, first of all, that you do good and only do good in the sense of the company, but also that, that you are your own boss, you are your own, your own CEO, right? Mm. And this is really the one thing that I love so much about our industry. You can start new projects, you can find people, everyone is super friendly, everyone is working with you. So to be completely honest, I think I would, wouldn't change again. I will never go back out of this industry. Yeah, so, so now everyone heard your commitment. So we will uh, follow you <laughs> for this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, re regarding uh, solution consulting per se, right? So if you Google it, there are various definitions of it. What is your definition of solution consulting? So the first mistake is Googling something. <laughs> Ask ChatGPT. <laughs> That's correct. Now, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I think um, as a solution, solution consulting, maybe the majority of your listeners don't really know what we actually do the whole day. So uh, my team and myself, um, our main priority is to listen to our customers, to find out what are their strategic goals long term, but also what are the current issues, the current challenges they are facing when it comes to their IT infrastructure, when it comes to processes that they need to be supported. So what my team does is together with um, our dear seller colleagues, AE colleagues or sales colleagues, however you call them, they um, are just trying to understand um, what, are the, what are the issues the customer has at the moment. Is there anything short-term, is there mid-term, are there long-term challenges they're trying to solve? Then presenting what we can offer to help them solve their issues, presenting the value that they can achieve with our solution solutions and then helping them to decide what would be the right thing to implement and then doing the handover to the implementation process so we basically i mean the word consulting already we have it in our names we consult the customers to solve and it could be either an it problem or it could be an hr problem it could be a customer service problem i mean all, mostly all of your listeners know our portfolio but it's really understanding deeply understanding doing deep down discovery in workshops maybe even sitting at their customer service desk to understand what what is what is how does the current day of a normal employee look like and then presenting back to a steer crew to a board to to whoever who wants to see it how can we help them overcoming those challenges 
So if you're not interested in a career at Solution Consulting now, I don't know why. So <laughs> yeah, I'm hiring, by the way. <laughs> so th th this is one side, right, regarding Solution Consulting. But what drives you in this context? Why are you still in Solution Consulting and not yeah, in it's a business owner? Yeah, it's fun because I, I didn't tell you half of the jobs I did at Salesforce and ServiceNow. So I, I, I did a couple of detours because I always thought like I have to see something else in my life than just solution consulting. So I've been a couple of uh, months in, in enablement, sales enablement, which is basically sales training. I also started at ServiceNow as a partner manager, helping our implementation and sales partners to become even better. And I've feel like every time when I when I think really deeply about it, solution consulting is really the thing I want to do because you feel that two things. First of all, you feel the impact of what you're doing on a daily basis because you talk to the customers, you feel their happy faces at a certain or see their happy stages, faces at a certain stage, for example, during the implementation cake that we are doing or if you talk to them at certain events um, that, that they're really happy and that we really help them. And secondly, to be completely honest, the team. So solution consultants yeah. per se are just a cool bunch of people. So it's just nice to go into the office, see them, work with them, and uh, just have a good time. Yeah, I, I think at the end, uh, what's really a differentiator is um, the people you are surrounded with. Yep. If they are people who are yeah, um, trying to accelerate your personal development in, in some extent, or to some extent, or if they don't, right? Yeah. And solution consultants need to be, I mean, it's, it's, in, it's in the nature to be curious. And I think that also never stops just in front of customers. So you always have people around you who intrinsically want to know more about you, about what you're doing, about what drives you, but also what are the current challenges of the world. And um, they're always very well informed about techni technology trends. So it's just nice to talk to those people. Yeah. So you've mentioned it already, your previous job to your career, before your current one um, was uh, dealing with partners, right? So mm -hmm. what was your thinking behind moving from this partner role into the manager of a solution consulting team? And how does this, this fit in your, into your long-term plans? I knew that you would ask this. We just discussed this before. Thank you. I know. Um, so, uh, whatever. I mean, partner management was a test, right? I, um, did at, at, at my previous employer, I worked quite a bit with partners because it's also, I mean, the solution consulting role doesn't stop at the at the board of just customers. You all try to make everyone more successful. You talk to partners, help them to understand the new releases that we are doing, help them to become better at selling because we, in the end, want to scale as well. We don't want to be at every single customer. If there is a partner in the driver's seat, it doesn't need us necessarily. So this is why I always used to work with partners and I felt there must be more. There must be more behind it. So this is why I moved into the partner role. And then at a certain stage, um, I, I was in contact with the solution consulting team the whole time because they were helping me enabling those partners. And um, at a certain stage, I figured, okay, I'm missing it. I really miss it. working with those people more closer and really want to just be part of this team again. And then um, when Andreas Weber, my boss right now, um, approached me that uh, my predecessor is going to... Um, not to leave service now, luckily, because he's a super good guy, but taking another role inside of the organization, asked me if I could imagine to to actually do this job and if I would, if I would, 
if I would like to put my head into the ring and apply for that position, just thought, yeah, maybe that is a really good thing to do. So um, I just moved back to my roots, basically, and I really enjoyed it every single stage, every single second. And um, yeah, what drives my long-term strategy? I again, I I told you I'm not going to leave the software industry, and I'm also going to tell you I'm not going to leave solution consulting again. So, if it if it's up to me and no one, if it's just up to me and no one else decides that I'm not the right person at the right spot, um, my long-term strategy is to stay here as long as I still work. <laughs> then you already answered my question, so thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> No, and I think, um, I, um, I mean, everyone who, who is watching this or listening to this um, definitely can feel the, the passion behind it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we really can um, feel the genuine belief in what you do. So that, that, that's really great. Um, so you're talking to a lot of companies now regarding their digital transformation and so on. What do you see what other yeah, customers um, most struggle with? Yeah, so I think, why, why do you do digital transformation? So first of all, most of the companies want to grow. Everyone wants to grow. In Switzerland, we are in the lucky position that our economical situation is maybe a bit better than in other countries. So maybe this is, this is for sure the number one driving driver behind digital transformation. But it's really to, to move away from old analog systems, move away from complicated workflows that are actually either having a lot of media breaches in it or are highly manual. And uh, also, I think these are the two main drivers by getting, getting bigger, making more revenue, cutting costs by implementing, by reducing all the overhead on manual processes. Um, but also, I think what comes with it, and a lot of people are overlooking it, is that digital transformation also needs a lot of change inside of the culture mm -hmm. of the company. So um, I think every CIO who has done that or CTO who has done digital transformation, every company knows that um, it's really important to, to drive the people. I think we are in a unique position that we have, I think, around four generations or even five generations in the marketplace today. So you have to cater for the Gen Z, Gen Xs on the planet, but you also have to cater for those people who are still used to work with paper. So I think this is really, this is, this is the biggest problem that most of companies do have when they do digitize their processes, that, there's, that they have to, don't forget the human touch. In it. And um, yeah, I think this is, I mean, this is nothing we can solve, to be completely honest, that needs a change manager inside of the company. But for me, the change is the biggest, the biggest problem that most of customers are facing, that I'm seeing. Yeah. So now we've covered digital transformation from a customer perspective, kind of. But what does digital transformation mean to you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> digital transformation to me, personally. Um, yeah. Apart from digitizing all my old pictures and music and stuff. Now, I think digital transformation for me means um, getting rid of old abundant. Is it called abundant? I don't know. But old processes that I don't need anymore trying to get stuff done in a smarter way by using technology. So rethinking, basically. Rethinking, yeah. Rethinking, I think that is that, that would be the right word, yeah. Yeah. So you've been um, with ServiceNow um, yeah, for almost uh, two years plus minus, right? And I assume very successfully or quite successfully. What would you say <laughs> is your, yeah, what do you think is making you successful? 
Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. So first of all, you said that already. I'm pretty passionate about what I'm doing. So I think this is the first thing that everyone who is joining a fast-growing American software company, and I don't know how it is in any any other software companies because I've always only been to American ones, but you have to be passionate about what you're doing. You have to live the dream. It's a it's a bit pathetic, but you know what I mean. You really have to have to be you have to like what you're doing here. And this is what I do. So that's the first thing. And I think the second thing, um, if we look at the EVS results, we do a quarterly, no, a half yearly um, employee voice survey. We do hear back from our employees what we can do good and what we could do better. And mine has been pretty good. So I think it's really about being empathetic, listening to people, giving people enough bandwidth to work or enough space to work how they want to work but also um, giving them some guidelines or guide, yeah, guidelines how they could do things better. So it's really, I think, first of all, about the people, taking care of them. Secondly, about, um, yeah, about passionate about what you do. Yeah. And I think I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think this is um, also combined. I mean, you are in a leadership role, right? But at the end, everyone is a leader. And yeah. if someone doesn't have the intrinsic motivation, the genuine belief with among other things, then yeah, someone should think about something. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I think um everyone who's moving into a role like ours, like yours, like mine, um, you decide on not just doing a job. You decide on being part of a team and being part of a culture as well. And um, I mean, you interviewed a couple of people already. The word culture is one of the most used words, I guess. But it's really something you have to, you have like a couple of hats on. You're not only the solution consulting manager, you also, I'm playing, a, a, what I do is taking care of a lot of cultural things inside of Switzerland, making sure that we do have team meetings, that we do have apéros, how we call it in Switzerland, which is basically like a, like a dinner, standing lunch and the wine or beer. Um, I take care, together we take care of that. People feel welcome, that they want to be here. And that is, by the way, my vision for 2023. The Solution Consulting Team Switzerland is a team where everyone wants to be. <laughs> That's a great uh, vision, I would say. Yeah. That, that, let's keep it like that. And uh, maybe um, an, another perspective. So um, you're a manager. The market is an employee, employee market um, at the moment, and it will not change in the future, right? So what impact does this have on your hiring activities as a manager? Yeah, I thought about this as well. I think it doesn't really have a big impact because um, the finding a good solution consulting has consulting has always been uh, pain because you need people who are, first of all, IT. They, they have to understand IT, but they also have to understand business. They have to be able to speak, have to be able to, empathetic, to be empathetic. They have to be curious. So it has always been a pain to find someone in solution consulting. And who can say that better than you? <laughs> but um, I think um, it's it really... It, the, I think the bigger impact is that you're more relying on the on the um, happiness of your team because the best people you get into your team are references from your team. So I think what, what people have to do even more than they had to do in the past and I have to do even more than I had to do in the past is to make sure that everyone is happy and confident with their job because then they're speaking good about you but also referring all their best ex-colleagues or friends or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, from my perspective, this is or will be also the, the key for good hiring and for great hiring, indeed. Yeah. 
Um, so what qu qualities, especially skills that you learn so far, which, yeah, sharpen you as a person, as a professional, but also what role um, do they play for you today? That is a very good question. <laughs> um, so what did I learn? I think um, if, you if you're in the corp world and you're a project manager, it needs to be a hundred percent job. That's the one. The one. If you do something wrong, the project will die or will maybe fail. I think that's the one thing that I learned pretty fast when I when I started in solution consulting um, to live under or to to really work, be happy with the eighty twenty rule because you can't do one hundred percent. I think that is the first thing I really learned because otherwise, if you are too, if you try to do everything perfect, you 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 won't be able to get anything done. So I think that is the first thing. And the second thing is really um, don't talk, just listen. Because <laughs> I'm not sure every one of us, and I think everyone can relate to this, has been in sales calls or in sales pitches, it, it, even if you just buy a jacket or anything, and you, you don't even have a second to talk because your sales counterpart is talking the whole time. I think this is this is the whole, that is one of the things that I really learned and that shaped me a lot to just be quiet for a moment and to, ask questions instead of talk, talk, talk. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a very good um, point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So currently there's um, a lot of talk about women in tech and so on, right? So especially on LinkedIn, um, you can yeah hardly uh, avoid, avoid this topic. I'm wondering, what do you think about this whole topic? Um, so I, I think it's a given, right? It's, uh, I mean, we, as a, just put you, put, you, well, put you in the shoes of the buyer for a second. Buyer are people and people buy from people. So if you only look to, at the same, same character, same gender, same whatever of people that sitting next to you or on the other side of the phone, on the other side of the Zoom meeting or table, um, I think we need to create a diversity here because buyers are diverse as well. That is the first thing. So this is more from the customer perspective. We have to be diverse in the market to just also um, reflect and mirror the diversity of the customers who's buy who are buying from us. Second thing is I also we know that from our prior to private environment as well as workspace, um, as soon as we get more diverse people, and I, I don't want to just reduce it to female male, but as the more diverse the team is, the more fun we have, the more different perspectives we get. And this is for me one of the most important points to have a diverse team to just come up with different viewpoints, but also uh, maybe more the female view of things who would look, look at things a little bit different. And uh, I think also one of the most important parts here is, and I'm not sure if you read the McKinsey study that just came out, but um, we are, yes, <laughs> we are looking, uh, you said that before, we are in an employer market. Uh, we are looking at a, at a shortness of, um, of talents. So if we, I think only 20, 20, 22% of all tech roles are filled with women. If we look at how much potential we still have that can be filled by women, we, we could easily solve that, solve that problem we do have in, in the gap of, of talent. In the war of talent house calls nowadays sometimes. So we just have to, it, it's, it's a given naturally from customer side, from team building side, but also we have to look at that talent because otherwise we will run into shortages overall at the end. Yeah. 
let's face the challenge, I would say. <laughs> it will I be a good one. I think the challenge is not only ours to solve, right? The challenge is the it's um from kindergarten up to, yeah. to studies, right? It's we can't we can it's only a society live, thing. Yeah, it's a society thing, yeah. We have to empower females a lot more and make them more successful and also get them into their STEM jobs, the the technology jobs. Um, let them study those things and don't give them. And, and the, the numbers are reverting. It used to grow and now they're going back down again. And I don't know why. And I think it's, I'm, I don't have the competency to solve that. But um, yeah, we have to make sure that, that females do understand. And I hope one, I mean, this maybe helps, but that females do understand that you don't have to have the huge IT background. You can be a travel agent and work in IT in the end, right? Yeah, no, no, totally. I'm totally with you on this one. Yeah. Um, maybe in, in general or gen generally speaking, what are you looking for when you have interviews with candidates? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so first of all, if I, I'm looking at the CV and find out if they have at least some experience in the technology or business world. I just hired, I just recently hired someone who has, has an IT background, but not very deep. I'm looking either into someone or for someone who has worked as a solution consultant slash maybe an implementation partner of, of our software or of comparable software, or someone who has a deep vertical understanding. With vertical understanding, I mean industry understanding, because this is, I think, we're growing more and more into the direction that we, that we have to speak at sea level, that we have to be competent to speak to people who have their daily tasks, their daily um, problems in their head and not just IT. So I'm looking at those two things, being either a, soft, a software as a service in knowledge, having a software as a service knowledge or having an industry knowledge. And then as soon as that person has that, then I'm talking to them the first time and ideally talking to them face to face because I um, yeah. fan those uh, Zoom meetings because you don't get those micro signals that you get if you talk to people face to face. It's really, it's sometimes really just a, in Germany, we call it Bauchgefühl. You just feel like, is it the right person? Does it fit into the team? Does that person fit into the team? Can I talk to that person? And, and ultimately, I let the team decide as well, at least two or three people from the team to make sure that that, that it would really fit. Yeah. Yeah, at the end, it's uh, about having this team spirit and the culture yeah. isn't just there. You have to create it, right? So you have, you have to, to get it, yeah. And you also, I mean, I, I, I had a couple of people talking to me or felt like they would just want to start working at nine and want to stop working at five, and that doesn't work in our industry. So you have to be um, ready to also maybe do the extra mile, walk the extra mile. For, but for that, you get rewarded too, because then you can just maybe just relax at a certain stage as well if there's not too much to do. Yeah. Maybe let's, um, yeah, uh, tackle the, the, the last top topic of today, right? So in a webinar hosted by, by, by ServiceNow, you shared that you have imposter syndrome or that you are facing imposter syndrome from time to time, right? How did you realize you had it or you, you're dealing <laughs> with it? I'm already regretting that I ever shared that. <laughs> um, so I felt, um, what, what does imposter syndrome actually mean? So I mean, maybe we should just quickly explain that. It's just the feeling of not being qualified for the role you are actually in. It's like feeling a little bit like a fraud. And at a certain stage, someone will discover that you are not the right person. You don't have the skill set to fulfill your role. Um, I, I think there's not a certain moment I can tell you that I, I started feeling this. I think it was just... At a certain stage, I started thinking about, am I really the right person? I mean, they're not, Jay, everyone in my team knows better than I do. Why am I the boss? 
And um, I think everyone has that from time to time, but that consistently grew over over the time. And this is what um, this is how I actually discovered that I have it. Yeah. So what I can say is, um, I think that's really, um, yeah, brave and it earns respect that you shared the story of yours publicly um, during the, um, this webinar. And what I can say is also when I thought about making a podcast, it was also like, okay, why, why me? Why I? There are already a lot of podcasts out there, but at the end, yeah, it was like, but not mine. <laughs> and it makes a lot of fun. And um, yeah. So I, I totally know know what you mean. Um, in what ways has it empowered you? Having um, the, the the self awareness of of the situation, yeah. So I think you you might you know me a little bit. We work together quite a bit. So I'm I think it's it, two things: authenticity, and I can't even say that it's a th <laughs> problem, right? But I um. I do not shy away from admitting mistakes. I am um, um, really honest if I feel like I'm, I'm not able to do this. I tell you now, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to do it if I can't. Either you teach me how to do it and I try, or um, I give the job to someone who's better suited for it, someone in my team, someone outside of my team. So I'm very, very open and transparent in what I think I can do and what I think I can't do. And the second thing is really um, resilience. I think I'm, I'm getting the moment you face this problem of an imposter syndrome and you get your head around how you can actually solve it, not solve it, you will never be able to solve it, but at least work with it. Um, that is mostly by getting feedback from other people, because if you just digest it by yourself and think about it, I did something wrong, mm. I did something wrong, and then you talk to someone else and that person tells you it was excellent. It's <laughs> never done it that way. You're like, what? Really? And yeah. um, I think this is, um, it, it's just giving you, it, through those loops you're doing, through those iterations that you're doing, it's just giving you a lot more resilience over time. So I think the two things, authenticity and resilience, just are the two things that, that I learned from it. But it's, it's a process, right? You will, I think I will never be, you'll never be as happy or as confident with myself as other people are. Yeah. No, and uh, I mean, with, this authentic ending i would like cool. to thank you for the authentic talk <laughs> um, but um, for the last words over to you last words um yeah first of all thank you christian for for inviting me to this really enjoyed it i was pretty nervous <laughs> before we started we couldn't this see. We couldn't see. Yeah, yeah um no i think um it was a very good talk and again coming back to the women in tech um, i really want to empower and say empower the ladies out there and tell them please don't shy away from from crazy job descriptions Kristen and I do some of them together we put 200% in it if you just fulfill 100% we are happy to do this so don't think that you are not able to do a job in tech because you're you're female or you don't have the necessity necess necessary master degree and in, in whatever in IT so I think this is um, just my 10 cents that I took from my career um, it doesn't need you doesn't, don't need to be the master in something to just try something out and, and start it. And, and you will, you will succeed for sure. Like I did, like Christian did. <laughs> Perfect. So with this positive mindset, um, yeah, thank you for your time again. Um, Antje, it was really a pleasure talking to you and talk to you soon. Same here. Thank you very much. 